welcome to the European Patients Podcast, representing the voice of patients in Europe. This podcast is brought to you by the European Patients Forum, the leading voice of patient organizations on the continent. My name is Slavia, I am the Communications Manager for EPF and your host on today's pod. We are back with our project media series, the Periscope Talks. If you don't recall, or you're tuning in for the first time, the Periscope project was launched in late 2020 and it investigates the broad socio-economic and behavioral impact of the COVID-19 pandemic in order to make Europe more resilient and prepared for future large-scale risks. Today's episode will discuss the contribution brought by Goethe University Frankfurt with a particular focus on the online course develop courses developed throughout the project. Let's hear from our guest today, Dennis Vetter from the Computer Science Institute, Goethe University, Frankfurt. Dennis is a PhD student at the Frankfurt Big Data Lab at Goethe University, Frankfurt. He previously worked as a machine learning engineer in the Netherlands and has a bachelor's and master's degree in computer science. His research is focused on the application of artificial intelligence systems and the ethical implications of the AI decision-making process. The Periscope project has launched a series of thematic uh, massive online open courses that are available now on uh, Coursera. Could you briefly go through the ones Goethe University contributed to? Sure, I can do that. So the main contribution from Goethe University was the course for trustworthy AI for healthcare management, where we try to give people that have never heard of or that maybe have heard of AI, but never worked with AI or don't have a full understanding of AI, some small introduction, what AI is and how it can be applied in their work and where they need it. So we want to give them an introduction how AI over the course of time influenced how people work with computers and with people how AI can be used in the healthcare sector to make lives easier for both doctors and patients, but also administrative stuff, for example. We want to show them what uh, preconditions need to exist for successful AI projects. And we want to round that up by giving them some stories from our experience, how we experienced AI use cases in healthcare system. So they have an idea what systems can work, what systems are actually already working, and maybe it's also some ideas on how they could use AI in their future work. I think uh, you already answered my next question, but either way, I'm going to address it for uh, clarification. So from what you tell me, um, the course is very consistent in approaching themes related to the use of AI, but who can enroll in these courses, for instance, if I wanted to enroll in one, do I need any prerequisites in order to successfully apply and, well, go through the course? We try to structure the courses so that you need almost no pre-existing knowledge. And I think that was also one of the goals of this Periscope project and a thing that we achieved pretty well. We wanted to make it accessible to everybody. So we wanted to expose people new ideas, to show them new perspectives so they can 
get a better view of the, let's say, whole picture, as the pandemic did not only impact health, did it, it impact the life of people. So they can see the many different facets that the life was influenced and also many different opportunities how we could change that in future pandemics. Could you walk us through the process of developing these courses? Um, did you, for instance, identify a knowledge gap and start building strategies to address it? How did it work? So I would say the course contents came up more or less organically. Because in the past, I was already working on research projects with other people from healthcare. And over the course of different projects, I was onboarding different peoples into our research corporations. And I saw that over time, more or less similar questions come from different peoples. And the answers to the questions were not always that easy. So I needed to provide more context to start at the beginning. And the goal was to just focus on high level concepts because the yeah, low-level details are up for the technical people. But if you want to just get a high-level overview, there's it's actually pretty easy to understand. Um, I also wanted to keep out the maths because I learned that many people that are not from computer science or other sciences, if they see big formulas of math, they say, well, that might not be something for me. And I also wanted to include real-world examples because that helped me always a lot to understand how things go together and what definitions actually mean. And when I had a first version of this ready, I reached out to other people from the Periscope project, to other friends, to colleagues, and I tried to collect feedback from them. And the less they knew about AI, the better for me, because I wanted to have it as general as possible and as understandable as possible. So I could really use their feedback and try to make the course more accessible while at the same time more or less technically correct. Your research interests uh, focus mainly on aspects related to the ethical applications of AI in healthcare, uh, right? Let's say you were talking about this topic to someone who has, what would be the main points you'd want to touch upon? So first I would not only call it ethical AI, and what I would call it is trustworthy AI. So. It should not only be ethical, it should also be technically solid, and it should most importantly be something that people actually want to use and that helps them solve a problem. And ethics is a big part of that, but not only not the only part of that. And I'm also working more on the technical and AI side of that, because I know something about ethics, but there are many people that know much, much more about it. And the good thing is that I can just reach out to other people be it from my university or other researchers that I got to know about the years and say, hey, um, I know you're an expert in ethics or in fairness or something. Could you help me with that project? I think it's really interesting and I think we could do something really nice together. And the same with the healthcare. I know absolutely nothing about healthcare. So if I have to work on a system that does something with radiology scans, that's nice images for me, but I can't make any sense of them. So I also reach out to healthcare researchers to say, hey, um, can you help me with that? And then we try to build something nice together that does what the people want and does it in a way that uh, ethical principles are respected. And the next question I always receive is, yeah, but why are you doing that? And the answer to that is actually really easy because over the past there were frequent hype articles like this IBM Watson thingy that said, yeah, we now build an AI and we'll make doctors redundant because our AI is faster, it's cheaper, it's better than doctors. But when you go to the hospital, you don't see AI anywhere. Just the work is still done by doctors and nurses. 
And sometimes they use computers, but most of the time not even they're not even using computers. So there is an apparent gap between what's possible in the lab and what is used in the real world. And we're trying to find out why this gap exists and what we can do to make this gap smaller, because the possibilities of AI are obvious, but there are also some risks. And I think we need to concern these uh, reservations that the people that would use the AI have towards it. For example, the AI is not perfect. And so the people are hesitant. They say, OK, I don't understand how it's working. What is if the decision is wrong? I would more trust the doctor. And the doctors, they are really used to being right. So they don't like their um, opinions, questions by a computer that says, well, you're wrong. Or it's like this, it's like this. They want to understand why it's making decisions. So we try to find ways to efficiently include the doctors and the patients in this AI workflow so that the doctors can understand how a decision is made and then include it as, as like a laboratory result in their final diagnosis and that the patients can also have more trust because they know, okay, not only the doctor is taking care of me, but in the background there's also a computer that doesn't get tired. So if even if the doctor might make a small mistake, the computer could catch it. And the really nice thing about it is that there were actual real studies that showed if you have an AI and a doctor, you get the best results if they work both together and just uh, catch the weaknesses of the other. So I think this is a really big possibility for people and not only in healthcare, but also in other areas. But in healthcare, the problems are most apparent because it's just um, bigger stakes, so to say. And also with that, lots of possibilities. Since the Periscope project is set on building a more resilient European healthcare system um, in the face of future pandemics and uh, other threats, what would be your thoughts on how we could better prepare ourselves in case we hit another pandemic or for other uh, bad scenarios for the health systems? That's a really difficult question. But I think I would go with, uh, let's say, three main points. Especially in this project, I learned that all across Europe, we have so many smart people that all know about different things. So my wish would be that we have a better connection within Europe, that we can get more exchange of ideas, more exchange of solutions and more exchange of problems. And we can also allocate help where we need it. And we have, have a common approach as one Europe, because if every country does its thing, it might work to some extent, but we are also missing so many chances that we don't take because we just say, OK, it's not from here. I don't really trust what they are doing. So a common strategy for the whole of Europe would be a good solution, I think. And also that we continue funding research projects like this Periscope projects that aim at preparedness for such situations. That we not say, OK, it's over, it won't happen again. Let's try to be prepared anyways, right? If it doesn't happen and we're prepared, well, OK. But if it happens, it's better to be prepared than to just go on site. And related to that, I would also wish for a better understanding of how the just the scientific method works because at least in Germany we saw so much confusion about um, from the normal people that said okay the researchers say this and then two weeks later they say that and then two weeks later again they say something different but that's just how science works right you come up with a hypothesis and then you collect some data then you check what's working good what's working not what's working not so good and then you adapt your strategy as you go 
And many people think, okay, that's just this one scientific truth and the scientists don't understand anything, which probably at the beginning is true, but they don't, let's say, respect that the, what is actually the best opinion adapts over time. And I would just wish that people get a better, better understanding and more trust in the many people that do excellent work in this area. Thank you, Dennis, for joining us today and for your really interesting points in answering my questions. You're welcome. And thanks for having me. Thank you once again, Dennis, for joining us today. We'll continue to update you with this series about the Periscope project, which will develop solutions and guidance for policymakers and health authorities to make Europe more resilient and prepared for future large-scale risks. For now, let's remain vigilant and use the lessons and models from the Periscope project to prepare us for the future. We kindly remind you to check out their website, www.periscope.com project.eu for all relevant news and information or follow them on Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. That's it for this episode of the Periscope Talks. We are the European Patients Forum, the leading voice of patient organizations in Europe with nearly 80 members across the continent. I'll see you next time on the pod. Stay safe.